All confirmed passengers should now be boarding at gate number D. Dringend gesucht wird diese Frau. Sie befindet sich seit gestern Vormittag auf der Flucht. Die Verdächtige ist ca. 1,65 Meter groß, hat dunkelblondes, lockiges Haar und trägt eine helle Jacke. Die Flüchtige gilt als unberechenbar und äußerst gefährlich. Bitte versuchen Sie nicht, die gesuchte Person festzuhalten oder gar anzuschauen. Für Hinweise zur Ergreifung der Verdächtigen wählen Sie bitte die unten eingeblendete Nummer. Wir melden uns wieder zu den Hauptnachrichten zu vollen Stunden und bis dahin noch einen schönen Tag. Guten Morgen. Sehen Sie gestresst? Wie sehen Sie gestresst aus? Da hätten wir was für Sie. Oh mein Gott! Was ist mal aus von mir? That is awesome! I wish I had the money to pull off a prank like that. Even halfway close to that. All right. So, yeah, we are starting a sermon series called Plot Twist. And this first point is this girl right here. She didn't see that coming. Man, that's the idea of a plot twist. You don't see it coming. Now, I love movies, and uh, I love movies that have the plot twists in them. I got to be honest. I love the ones that, like, you have to really pay attention to. And if you're watching a movie with me, there's two things you need to be aware of. One, if you talk to me, I don't like that. I don't like that. It's, what? Because I'm, uh, I'm paying attention. And number two, I will though sometimes if I've seen a movie before, spoil the whole thing. Like, pay attention to this part, you know. And then of course the, you know, they gotta pay attention, and then they don't like that either. So there's even whole directors that are known for their plot twisting, right? M. Night Shyamalan. You know, The Sixth Sense, you guys remember that movie, right? You find out, like, the guy, the little boy, I see dead people. Well, you find out that the guy, the main character, is, he's dead, right? But, by the way, the movie came out in 1999. If you haven't seen it yet, that's too bad. That's on you. That was like 25 years ago or something. Spoiled for you. So the Bible's filled with plot twists. All kinds of times where you thought it was going to go this way, and God spun everything around. He actually specializes in doing that, both for the people of the Bible and for us. Today, we're going to be looking at uh, the story of Joseph, starting the story of Joseph, and there are tons of plot twists in his life. He thought it was going to go one way, and it went a totally different way, and ended up being a better way, though at the time, it sure didn't feel like that at the moment that it was, that it was getting started. It felt like uh, it was like where are you, God? Why is this happening to me? But then when it all works out, of course, it, uh, it works out to be the right thing. Now, the Joseph story is 
13 chapters of the book of Genesis. He's the number one, more chapters of, of his story in Genesis than anybody else. And so we got uh, this sermon series all the way through from now until Christmas. We'll be doing the story of Joseph plot twist. All right, some background of Joseph's world. So like we said, okay, the book of Genesis, it starts out with creation and then it kind of moves along. You end up with the flood and we talked about that a few weeks ago. And then you start the story of the, the primary book of Genesis, the primary story of it is the, the story of a family, one family. And it starts with Abraham. Actually, his first name was Abram, and then it's Abraham. And then he has a son, and his son is Isaac. And, uh, and Isaac and Ishmael, he has two sons. Now, it's interesting, here we are in the, in the world we live in, even right now, we have the Ishmael, descendants of Ishmael, the Arabs, and the descendants of Isaac, the Jewish people, even now, this is still an issue. Like, it goes from Genesis all the way to, like, right now. Literally, that's just, and, and, and it's just so wild. But they had some family issues. Abraham had some family issues. Now, God says that Isaac, through Isaac, is going to come this promise. And this promise is that there will be as many descendants of you, Abraham, as there are stars in the sky or pieces of sand on, a, on the seashore. In other words, thousands, millions, millions, millions of descendants. Well, the guy only has like two kids, right? I mean, it's like, uh, that doesn't make sense. Well, then you have Isaac. Now, Isaac's got some family issues too. Actually, he does some favoritism, which we'll see, we'll see uh, the remnants of that later. And then Isaac has a son named Jacob. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now, Jacob has some issues as well. And uh, matter of fact, he changes his name from Jacob, Yaakov, to, uh, to Israel because his name, uh, Yaakov, means supplanter. It means like I'm taking the authority from somebody else. And so that's, that's, that's weird. That's not nice. Don't do that. Everybody needs to stay in their lane. And then Israel means God prevails. So he changes his name to Israel. And so that Jacob, Israel, that's the same person, okay? Now, Israel has 12 sons. These end up becoming basically the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those sons is Joseph. And the, basically, the, the book of Genesis takes us all the way through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, okay? And that's where we're at here today, and we're kicking off with our series. Let's go to Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 3. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. <laughs> well, we're already off to a good start, aren't we? Because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. You guys remember this? Like maybe you colored this in Sunday school, like the coat of many colors. He makes this beautiful robe for him and not the other ones. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. And they couldn't say a kind word to him. They, they just, every time they saw him, it was mean stuff coming out of their mouth. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Okay, the first dream that Joseph has is he's got these bundles of grain. It's kind of like Thanksgiving season. So, you know, you got like a, a grain bundle and they bundle it together. And there were 11 bundles of grain bowing down to his bundle of grain. Oh, you know, your brothers really like that. When you say, by the way, God himself thinks I am better than you. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they love that. Verse 8, 
brothers responded, so you think you'll be king over us, huh, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Now, verse 9, Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers, didn't learn much here. Listen, I have another dream. And he said, the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Sun and moon with mom and dad and 11 stars. They're all bowing down before my great big star. Put that on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming. Okay, so now they're out in the field one day. Joseph's brothers see him coming. They recognized him in the distance. They saw the flashy little coat. As he approached, as Joseph approached, they made plans to kill him. So they're all conspiring. Here's how we're going to do him in. Let's just kill this guy off. We're, we're sick of him. Verse 24, when they grabbed him, then they grabbed him and threw him into a cistern. The cistern was empty. A cistern, by the way, is like a well, but a well you, has like natural water in it. A cistern is, it looks like a well, but it, you have to put the water in it and it holds the water. So they throw him in an empty well, basically, and there was no water in it. Instead of hurting him, they decide, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother. I mean, we want to do him good. We don't want to do him too bad, right? Let's just sell him into slavery. Yeah, oh, thanks, guys. He's our own flesh and blood, and his, the brothers agreed. Yeah, that's the kind thing to do, you know. That's the heartful thing to do. Verse 31, then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe into it to show that, that he had been killed by an animal and to deceive their dad. The father recognized it, the robe, immediately. Yes, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly uh, been torn to pieces. So that's how they got, that's how they told dad, uh, he's, he's dead. You know, look, look, here's the robe. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was a captain of the palace guard. So we have this young man. He's got all these dreams in his heart. Here's how this is going to go, and it doesn't go anything like that. Instead, he finds himself as a slave in Egypt. Now, we must look back before we can go forward. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. When we look at the line, we look at Joseph's life, I mean, we just saw like, man, there was a lot of problems there. That's a lot of issues right there, clearly. Well, where did these issues start from? You got to rewind back. You got to rewind back actually to Abraham and how he kind of messed it up with his family. At one time, he tells these guys that his wife is really not his wife. He has all, there's all kinds of other family issues between his sons, but they never dealt with it. Isaac shows some favoritism that he shouldn't have shown. And so we see that happening. That's handed down now into life of Jacob. Now Jacob takes it to a whole nother level. Jacob has four wives and 12 sons. I just think Jason, Jacob must have a lot of money. Because when I see that, I just see like, man, I got one wife and two kids. It's like, whoo, those are expensive. Four and 12? I don't think so. Whoo, goodness. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of money. Okay, so... You have this situation where every single generation had some family issues, but they never dealt with them like they should have, and since they didn't deal with it like they should have, they kept passing it on to the next generation. Well, the same is true with us, guys. It's, it's I mean, not to, the theologically, it's a generational curse. 
See, sometimes it looks like this. Maybe your grandfather or your great-grandfather had an alcoholism problem, and then your dad had an alcoholism problem, and now you struggle with that. That's because that thing's being handed down into your life. This one was a family issue being not dealt with and handed down, not dealt with and handed down. Guys, we have got to look back before we go forward. We've got to look back. What's back here? What's back in the lineage genetically or even environmentally? Look back and go like, oh, I see. People didn't treat each other like they should have, and now here I am struggling to love people and treat them like they need to be treated. So what do we do about this? First off, we need to realize it. The first thing is we need to realize it. If we don't ever see the, 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 the thing back there, we can't, we can't really even deal with it. Number two, you might need to get some prayer for it. I mean, like, have a pastor or a good Christian friend come and pray for you and say, I don't want to deal with this stuff like that anymore. I want to have that stopped with me because I'm building a brand new generation here. Amen. We're building a brand new thing right here, and I want that all broken off my life so I don't pass this down anymore. And maybe even deal, talking to your own children. You might need to have a sit down with your kids and say, listen, this stuff... We're, we're, gonna cut, we're cutting that off. And I just heard a terrific testimony of a brother from our Plymouth church that, that had some of these things, and he sat down with his kids. It was at the men's retreat. He sat down with his kids, and he prayed with them and said, we're, this ends now. This ends now. Not from my heart into your heart. This ends now. Because sometimes you've got to go back before we go forward and clean up all those things that, that were being passed down. All right, also, look, envy kills. Envy can kill our dreams. Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. This robe had a lot of meaning, actually. So first off, in the ancient times, it was very hard to dye clothing, very hard. You had to find, like, the right kind of plant that would do it. You had to find the right kind of thing. Actually, the reason why purple was so expensive is you had to dive down, grab this special kind of shell, and then take it back up, crush the shell, and it was so rare and, and literally had to put your life at risk to get the purple dye to get down there and get it and bring it back. That's why the robes of the royalty were purple because it meant I got dye that you, go, you don't have. So to have a coat of many colors, oh, you are something. It was like, that's like an Armani suit. That's like a tuxedo or a fur coat or something. It's like, ooh, that's nice. That's not the kind of clothes that you go do yard work in. You don't clean out your stalls in a tuxedo. So when he put that robe on, it was like, oh, I see. Us 12, us 11, we got to be out here doing the ugly stuff. And Joseph's in there. I've got the supervisory position, see. Man, oh, we don't like that. We don't like that. So look at the three characters and see how, let's look at the three characters and see how they dealt with this. Because first off, you had the dad. The favoritism he showed here led to a lot of this. He should not have done it. He should not have done it that way. Now, there are people, human beings, that you and I are going to connect with that we don't, that are just better connected, maybe who knows why, personality types, but there's just connections that we're going to make that some people we don't connect with quite as deeply as we do other people. That's human. But we got to be fair, or at least pretend to be fair. Because that, that, really, Jacob here, Israel really messes things up with this favoritism he shows. And Joseph, it doesn't help 
that he goes around saying, I had a dream. Oh, really? Like Martin Luther King? Yeah, it's awesome. It's that y'all are bowing down to me. <laughs> so good. And then, you know, the funny thing is he didn't catch it from the response of the first dream when he said the second dream. Joseph's got a lot to learn here. We'll see by the end of the story. He learns a lot. You think, you think he would have gone like, man, that first dream really didn't go over so well with these guys. I know what I'll do. I'll tell them about my new dream. Yeah, this one, mom and dad are bowing down too. Yeah. Well, in that ancient culture, that, that is really, that's really off-putting. So a couple of thoughts here. First off, we got to be careful who we share our dreams with. We, need to, we, we probably need to share them, but you got to be careful who you share them with. You need to have somebody, I, I always talk about like sharing with a mentor or, or someone that's kind of up the chain from you. That way they can understand it better than someone either side to side or below. They're not going to understand that. You can share your dreams, but we got to have some wisdom about who we share them with. And, and then especially like take it down a notch with the arrogance. And then we have the brothers, man. Notice how that envy in the brothers' lives, it made them do things that they would have never really done. You know, envy makes us do things. It can get us to do some things that we never would have done. We find ourselves like, I mean, think about the logic going through these guys' head. Let's murder him. No, it's just too harsh. They thought selling him in slavery was the compassionate thing to do. Now, maybe one or two of you thought about selling your brothers or sisters, too, over the years. Like, I don't know what they're worth anymore, right? Like, if, if, if the opportunity availed itself, you might have taken advantage of that. But see, the envy in their heart twisted their logic. It, it gets you thinking things and going down directions you shouldn't have even gone down, and the same is true for us, guys. If we don't, if we don't pour... Uh, tear, our, tear the envy out of our heart, we're going to find ourselves thinking things we probably shouldn't be thinking and doing some stupid stuff we probably shouldn't be doing because that's what envy does. We don't think clearly. Now look at this scripture out of Hebrews. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Hardships as discipline. Joseph's situation he thought it was going to go this way, all right? Here's how he thought it was going to go. I got the coat. Dad says I'm special. I'm going to be the, what do the dreams say? That my brothers are bowing down to me? Okay, so it's all laid out for me. He, he had his, in his head how this was going to roll. My brothers are all going to be working for me, and they're going to be doing all the hard work, and I'll be saying, good job, guys. Well, that's not how it went at all. Instead, there was some hardship that coming. He's about to be a slave in Egypt. And I don't, want to give the whole, I don't want to give the plot twist away of how this sermon series goes, but it gets worse and worse and worse for him before it gets better. That's how it works. So why do we talk about how to do hardship as discipline? See, this hardship that we're going through, these issues that we find ourselves going through, there, is things, there are things to learn in that hardship. There, there's stuff that we need to dive down into and figure out. Because at this point, Joseph's not the man he needs to be. God wants Joseph to be a global level leader. He's about to save his whole family. He's about to save all kinds of people through Joseph's situation. But he's got to do some stuff inside Joseph before he does some stuff through Joseph. You see, God wants to do some stuff within us before he does some stuff 
through us. And that's why when we talk about hardship, what do we need to do? Learn how to endure. Christians, we got to learn this skill of endurance. We're not going to make it if we don't endure. And as discipline, why? Because that's, God's treating us as children. God is trying to get his children to know some things, to understand some things, to react the right way, and the way that that is done is how we all learn from the discipline that God's put in our lives. That's how we learn. So before God does some things through us, he's got to do some things within us. And how does God do some things within us? That's by basically putting us through difficult situations. I hate to say it, but we learn more in those difficult situations than we do when everything's going right. When it's hard, <laughs> that's when we learn. This is Corey Tinboom. She was a young lady in the Netherlands in the time of Nazi-occupied Netherlands in World War II. And she was a watchmaker. Her family were watchmakers. And she was a Christian young lady. Her whole family were Christians. And the per persecution of the Jews began to take place in Nazi Germany. They began to per persecute them. By the way, the rise of anti-Semitism, please, we gotta, we gotta pray against that. It's, there's a lot of similarities between the late 30s in Germany and, and what we're seeing across the world right now. And so this lady, she was like, we, got, we can't just let these Jews be taken off to concentration camps. So they began to hide Jews in their house. And that's, they, she wrote a book, by the way, a, a, a terrific book called The Hiding Place, where her and her family hid these, these Jews because she wanted them to survive. Well, the Nazis found out that they had hidden these Jews in their house. The Nazis don't only just take the Jews out of their house, they take uh, Corrie ten Boom and her dad and her sisters off to the death camps as well for harboring, uh, harboring criminals, Jews, they get put and sentenced to death as well. She's put in the Ravensbrück, her and her family put in the Ravensbrück concentration camp. Well, while she's there, she's enduring some hardship. Not because she did the wrong thing, because she did the right thing. Her, uh, because there was a clerical error, she's let go. In other words, they, had, they made some mistakes on a piece of some paperwork. She's let go. She's allowed to, re she's released from the prison camp. That Her father and her sisters are not let go. They die in that concentration camp. She's the only one that survives. She goes on, of course, to write a book. She, goes, she does speaking, and she, she died at the age of 91 as a beautiful Christian example to all of us. Now, why tell the story of Corey Ten Boom? Because it's like the story of Joseph, and it's also reminiscent of what God's doing in us. There is hardship that's coming, difficult times that are coming, but what is coming out of that difficult time can be beautiful if we let it. We can be. She took, Corey Ten Boom took those, that horrible situation she found herself in, the pain of the situation she found herself in, and she took that and she said, you know what, that is awful, but I'm going to give that to God and I'm going to use it to help other people learn how to endure and go through their difficult times and show other people that when it's all over, God will still get the glory. But we got to learn how to endure. We got to learn how to push through. One of the best ways we can do that is to hold on to your dreams. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. Verse 9, Joseph had another dream. 
why did God give Joseph these dreams? I mean, for fun? No. These dreams were given to Joseph because God knew. God had this whole storyline already planned out. He's got your storyline and my storyline already planned out. God knew it all. So he said, I got to give Joseph these dreams so he has something to hold on to when the times get really, really hard. Because I got to do something within him before I do something through him. So I hope I, I need him to hold on. I need to give him something to hold on to when the times get hard. That's why we got to hold on to our dreams. Because difficult times are here and they're coming. And the only way we're going to uh, get to where God wants us to be is if we hold on to what he said. You ever had the God give you a Bible verse? He's holding on to that Bible verse. This is what God said for my family. This is what God said for me. Man, I had a prophecy over my life in whew, 98, I think. I still hold on to that prophecy. I haven't seen it come completely to pass, but I'm starting to see a couple little twinkles of it. But I tell you, when the times I felt like I, was gonna, I wanted to quit the ministry, I was, I, forget this, I'll go do something else. I held on to those dreams because we're going to need those when the times get hard. What has God said to you? What has God told you? Man, do you have a dream of your family serving the Lord? Hold on to that dream. When them kids go crazy, you think, uh, I don't know how that's going to work. No, i got a dream, and I'm holding on to that dream. What's the dream God put in your heart? Hold on to it. Hold on to it. The big difference between a dream and a plan is that we don't, the dreams don't have a plan quite yet. So how do we, how do we take that? How do, how do we do that? What we got to do is take the dreams and then, they're, they, I mean, they're, who knows how that's going to plot twist to make those happen. We can't even begin to comprehend how God's going to twist that all around and make that happen. But here's what we can do. The book of Psalms says he's a light unto our path. We just, we just find God right here in this moment and we obey God. I mean, you, you all came to church today seriously awesome watching online those in the in the Pulaski County jail with us right now hey you're part of our church hold on to your dreams you don't know how that's going to work out but guess what God's going to give you one step to take take your one step you took your step of coming to church today good job take your take the next step take the next step take the next step and that's how we get there in time because you're going to see with the life of Joseph, it doesn't make almost any sense with the steps. It looks like he was falling down a, from worst to worst to worst until God turned it all around. And that's how our great God works. I want to tell you the story here of a guy named Billy Hall. Billy Hall goes to our biker church in Lakeville. His biker name is Goat. <laughs> He was riding his motorcycle in this nicer uh, early fall weather, and a bicyclist, oh, bicycles, a bicyclist comes out in front of him, he jams on the brakes, you know, he puts his feet down to stop, you know, so he doesn't run into the guy on the bicycle, puts his feet down, in the middle of that whole process, kind of trying to straighten everything out, but jamming on the brakes so uh, rapidly, he breaks his pelvis. Yeah, well, that doesn't feel good. So he goes, it goes in the ambulance, goes to the hospital. They do the uh, x-ray to find out what's going on and then how they're going to fix up his 
pelvis bones or what all bones were broken, they found out he has cancer. It's in his pelvis, and it's starting to move to other parts of his body. And he would have never known he had cancer if that person on the bicycle would not have pulled out in front of him. He actually, people said, are you mad at that guy? He said, no, I'm not mad at him. I'm thankful for him. I wouldn't know any of these things if I hadn't had that young man pull out in front of me on that bicycle. I'm glad I broke my hip. And pray for Billy that cancer seems to be spreading, but he's very thankful that it was found. They told him if they hadn't found this, there's nothing they could have done. They also told him that, uh, that if they hadn't found this, he wouldn't have been here even right now, and he just witnessed the birth of his first grandson in October. And that wouldn't have happened had this bicycle not pulled out in front of him. What's the point of the story, guys? You're catching it. God does things in ways that we just to have a hard time in our little minds. Guys, we are not as smart as we think we are. In our little minds, we have a hard time figuring out how God does all these things, but he does it. He does it. He's plot twisting all of our stuff. Hold on to your dreams because he's plot twisting it all around. And what looks like a motorcycle accident could have been the best thing that ever happened to you because God has a way. When we surrender these things to him, he has a way of taking all these things, even the most painful things, and turning them into something that helps his story be, a, be what is happening in our lives. So how do we apply this, guys? Two things. Don't focus on the pain of your situation right now. You guys are going through painful stuff. Don't focus on that right now. And hold on to your dreams in those dark times. Those, the pain of your situation right now. Many of you are in painful situations right here, right now. And I know that. God knows that. But listen, in the middle of this painful situation, don't focus on that. Don't make the pain that you're in right now the focal point. Look beyond it. Okay, God, man, this is kind of stinks where I'm at here right now. Okay, I'm going up and I'm going beyond this painful moment right now, and I'm looking at what your big plan is because this little plan, plan this little moment sure hurts pretty bad. And then number two, hold on to your dreams in those dark times. You're going to need those. Grab up a dream and hold on to it. You're going to need those in these dark moments. Don't, you know, be a dreamer. Be a person that's got dreams of what you want your life to be. Let God help you architect what all it needs to look like. Let's spend some time in prayer if we, here if we could right now. Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. Lord, we just, we just pray right now for anyone going through just dark times, dark things dark things have happened, plot twists in their own life, where everything was going one direction and all of a sudden just, just darkness, sadness, hopelessness has hit their lives. I pray the Lord that you just minister peace to them and remind them of the dreams that you put in their heart. Remind them that, that hope does spring eternal, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I pray that you rekindle that hope to give them the faith to walk, because we walk by faith and not by sight. And I pray, Lord, that you just, just minister life and peace. And for those who are going through and can't remember those dreams or think they don't have them, I pray that you send them right now. Give them direction. Give them hope. Shine that light upon the next step in their life and give them clear direction. And we thank you for that blessed assurance of Jesus in our hearts. And as we live our life with eternity in our hearts, we know that there's always hope, no matter how dark things get. And just pray that you trans, transfer that hope 
into the people listening right now and pray. I just pray in agreement with you right now and speak into your life, hope and life in Jesus name. Amen.